Shalom, this is Gad Bishi, and welcome back to TanakhStudy.com. Today we'll be continuing the study of Parashat Toledot. We'll be picking up on Perek Chavav. Uh, Perek Chavav is in a continuation of Toledot Yitzchak. Uh, we commented how the end of Perek Chavhei, explaining the births of Yaakov and Esav, uh, also began the Jacob cycle, as identified by Michael Fishbein and uh, really is talking about the stories of Yitzchak as well. Uh, Perek Chavav in particular represents what we have in the Chumash in regards to Yitzchak having active role in his uh, lifetime. And in terms of the Jacob cycle, this episode will include in it the themes of strife and deception, of bracha, of blessing, of covenants with foreigners, and this will also show itself up later, being parallel to Perek Lamedaled, uh, which talks about the rape of Dina at Shechem, and uh, there also it talks about strife and deception and covenants with foreigners. Uh, again, these are the points brought out by Michael Fishbane. We'll talk about them in complete uh, detail when we get towards the end of the cycle. The uh, Perek itself also shows us how Yitzchak is building on Abraham's uh, previous achievements and trying to take his own step independently and perhaps expand on Abraham's accomplishments. The Perik breaks down into a number of subunits. Uh, Psukim Aleph Tavav are uh, the first revelation of God to Yitzchak. Uh, gives him a bracha, a blessing, and we see Yitzchak's reaction to that blessing. Uh, Psukim Zayin to Yud Aleph Yitzchak. Uh, presents Rivka as his sister, and we find out what happens because of that. Psukim Yudbet to Yudzayin Yitzchak is uh, very successful. The Pelishtim get jealous, and what uh, is the aftermath of that jealousy? Psukim Yudhet to Chavbet Yitzchak redigs and digs new wells of water. Psukim Chav Gimel to is God's second revelation to Yitzchak and how Yitzchak responds. Sukim Chavav Talamed Bet is the read with Avimelech of Pelishtim. Pasuk Lamed Gimel is its own idea of a renaming of Be'er Sheva, perhaps also connected to the closing of the pact with Avimelech. And Pasuk Lamed Dalid is giving us information about Esav that he got married when he was 40 years old. So let's begin by looking at Pasuk Aleph. Bahira'av Ba'aretz Melevad Hara'av Harishon. Asher haya bimei Avraham, vayelech Yitzchak el Avimelech melech Pelishtim gerara. And there was a famine in the land, aside from the first famine that was at the time in the days of Avraham, and Yitzchak went to Avimelech, the king of Pelishtim, to Gerar. So the uh, commentators are debating whether or not the mention of Pelishtim here is an anachronistic mention, because Pelishtim we know from Sefer Shoftim are uh, latecomers to the scene. They were not really around at the time we normally associate with the time of the Avot. Uh, others are of the opinion that there indeed were uh, two different distinct peoples that the Tanakh refers to as the Pelishtim and the group that we're referring to now uh, were indeed indigenous and only later on did the uh, people come from abroad. They became the Pelishtim we know in Sefer Shoftim. Uh, also similar in terms of wondering whether or not we have Avimelech, the king of Pelishtim. Is he the same Avimelech that was at the time of Avraham? If you recall back in the earlier Prakim, 
Abraham also dealt with Avimelech and Afichol, uh, who were his co- contemporaries. And we wonder whether or not the Avimelech, and later we'll see Fichol show up as well, whether they're the same exact people or whether these were titles that were given to the king and the general of the Pelishtim at the time, and everybody who became in that role got that title. Uh, the Ramban on this point says he's not certain whether it is or isn't the same person. The Radak feels that they are different people for two reasons. One, he feels that there's a hundred year difference between the time of Abraham's interaction with Abimelech and what's going on in our Perak. And secondly, the Radak says that if indeed it was the same person, once the ruse has been discovered, uh, he really wouldn't be asking Yitzchak, why did you do this? He would have already known that the tactic was being used for uh, life-preserving concerns. Uh, Also to be asked at this point in the Perak is, when Yitzchak uh, encounters the famine and goes to Gerar, what was his plan? was the plan that he stayed in Gerar. After all, Abraham had made a pact with Avimelech that was supposed to be enforced at this time, and that might give Yitzchak safe haven. Uh, however, if there's a famine, it might have also have affected the land of Avimelech as well. Apparently, uh, it could have been that Egypt is the final destination, and really this is just a way station, because you know Derech Eretz Pelishtim is the shortcut route to Egypt, and so again, the Mefarshim are split on this point. The Radak feels that Yitzchak was going to be staying in Gerar. The Ramban the, adopts the idea that Ma'aseh Siman Labanim, the things that our forefathers did, is a sign for what the children will be doing after them to follow in their father's footsteps. Uh, certainly, in Yitzchak's situation, we're going to see a number of parallels to his following in the footsteps of Abraham, and perhaps he intended to go to Egypt. Uh, also to support this idea of going to Egypt is that uh, the next Pasuk that tell us uh, that God is telling Yitzchak not to go to Egypt, which seems to imply that God had some inkling that Yitzchak was headed there. Uh, this type of uh, differentiation also really picks up on whether or not Yitzchak is building on his own personality and therefore going to stay in Gerar, not necessarily do exactly what his father did or is really the Yitzchak that we see here still clinging on to his father's shadow and trying to fill his, uh, his shoes. Uh, Svi Gromit sees in his book that this is an attempt for Yitzchak to be Avraham, but God shoots him down and tells him not to bother trying. I don't know whether or not that's uh, too harsh, but in either situation we see here the nuance of where and what the plan is of Yitzchak can really reflect upon the personality development that we're seeing with Yitzchak. Uh, and God appeared to Yitzchak and told him, Do not descend to Egypt, reside in the land which I will tell you. Live in this land. And I will be with you, and I will bless you, for to you and to your offspring I will give all of these lands, and I will fulfill the swear that I swore to Abraham your father. And I will multiply your offspring like the stars in the heavens, and I will give to your offspring all of, the land, all of these lands, and the, all of the nations of the world will bless with your children. We'll use your children as a, a standard for blessing. 
וישמור משמרתי מצוותיי because Abraham had listened to my voice and has kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my teachings. In these psukim, we see multiple references to Abraham. Uh, so we have Abraham looming large in the backdrop. Uh, all of the interaction that God is having now with Yitzchak and all the blessings that he's giving him are because of Abraham. Uh, we see a likeness between this bracha and the bracha that Abraham received in the, at, after the Akedah. At the end of the Akedah, in Perech Chavbet, Pasuk Yud Zayim, God says, Ki I'm going to bless you very much and you will be multiplied, your, children, your offspring like the stars of the heavens. Uh, again, similar to what is being promised to Yitzchak here. Similarly, in Pasuk Yudchet, V'hitbarechu bezra'acha kol goye ha'aretz. And that the, all the people of the world will bless using your children as the standard. Uh, these likenesses are brought out uh, nicely in a summarized chart by Tzvi Gromit. He also points out that there is a parallel between Perek Yud Zayin, Pasuk Chet, it's a Zayin, there was Chet, V'natati lecha uzalacha acharecha et eretz megurecha et kol eretz enan la'achuzat olam I will give to your children after you all of the lands where you dwell, all of Eretz Canaan, which also parallels the promise here to Yitzchak uh, of giving the Kilcha Uzaracha Etet Kol Haaratzot Ha'el. So we see a clear uh, indication God is repeating things that happened with Abraham. Abraham is being mentioned over and over. Yitzchak is definitely at this point not his own man. And the remainder of the parak will show us whether or not Yitzchak uh, indeed succeeds in breaking out and being his own person. Uh, interestingly, this is the first interaction of God with Yitzchak, and as in all of Sefer Breshit, the respondent of God's voice isn't shocked. There's no initiation scene of God uh, slowly introducing himself, uh, but rather the person is uh, having a revelation from God. As opposed to Adam, Abraham, and even Abimelech, however, uh, we should point out that the this, the voice of God that comes to Yitzchak is a monologue. Uh, Yitzchak does not respond to what it is that he hears from God, uh, or Yaakov, or Lavan, for that matter. They later in Sefer Bereshit, who do have revelations as well, uh, they too will not be responding. They'll only be listening to what it is that God uh, is speaking to them. Uh, also in these psukim is a possible reference to the Akedah, aside from the linguistic parallels that we pointed out before, uh, the idea of Abraham listening to my voice. As far as Yitzchak is concerned, it's possible that uh, this is God telling Yitzchak that all of what Abraham did really was with my approval, was what I asked him to do. Uh, you should not think that he put you up on that altar out of his own uh, devices. Part of this might go back to the Machloket that there is on Akedat Yitzchak of whether or not Yitzchak was a active participant or a passive uh, unknowing victim until the very end as to what was about to happen to him. Uh, there the Abarbanel and Rashi uh, have it out. But the uh, voices that God speaks to Abraham in the Akedah are things that are directed only to Abraham at least as set out in the Psukim and it's a question of whether or not Yitzchak also was privy to hear those voices whether it was the initial command to go on the Akedah 
uh, or once he was already on the Mizbeach, whether or not that voice of salvation was something that Yitzchak heard, uh, or he only was able to uh, visually see what Abraham was doing. If it is a reference to the Akedah, then Yitzchak may receive some actual relief knowing that God was behind the scenes and all of that. Be that as it may, the Pasuk has told us now that God told Yitzchak to uh, dwell where he tells him, and he tells him to live in this particular land, and sure enough, Pasuk Vav, Vayeshev Yitzchak, the grau, the reaction that Yitzchak has to God's revelation, is to listen. He's going to live in Gra. Vayishalu anshe hamakom leishto, vayomer achotihi, ki yare lemorishti pinyaharguni anshe hamakom alrevka, ki tovat marehi. The uh, people of the place uh, ask about his wife, and he says that he, she is his sister, for he feared to say that he, she was his wife. Perhaps they would kill him, the locals would kill him, because of Rivka, for she was very beautiful. Again, as in the episode of Avraham with Sarai going to Egypt, the fear was that the men would kill the husband in order to take his wife uh, for themselves. The question that arises is, did this happen before or after Yitzchak and Rivka had Esav and Yaakov? Uh, it would be a little bit more difficult than Abraham and Sarai uh, to pull off this type of a ruse if you're walking around with two kids pulling on Rivka saying, Mommy, uh, to say whether or not this was only his sister. However, the Abarbanel and the Ramban uh, both feel that that's not a difficulty they feel that uh, they could have easily explained that these were children of a different wife uh, that she was just raising and that's why they called her mommy. Uh, or uh, I could suggest perhaps that really she was married to somebody else and uh, her husband died and these were her children from that person and that really Yitzhak was just bringing them up and they called him daddy even though he wasn't the daddy. So it is possible that Yaakov and Esav are present during this entire uh, living in Gerar However, the Shadal brings down an opinion that this entire episode happened chronologically before Yaakov and Esav were born, and perhaps if this is the situation, it could explain partially the 20-year uh, lapse of Rivka not having children for the entire time that they're in Gerar. Uh, in order to keep the ruse alive, she's not uh, becoming pregnant, and they're not trying to have the children. And it could be that only towards the end of the 20-year period of Rivka's uh, barrenness from the time they got married uh, was spent in prayer for the children, which is perhaps why the text held back that information from us. We were kind of surprised that the text wouldn't stress how long they were waiting for children and that they would intensify and magnify the miracle that God performed to have Rivka have Yaakov and Esav. Uh, if perhaps it's something to do with the own fault of Rivka and Yitak for coming up with this ruse, uh, the text perhaps did not want to glorify the uh, means that they were being employed in order to survive in Gerar. So it's not clear how long they were in Gerar, uh, but it's definitely seeming that they are repeating what Abraham did, and if they are following in Abraham's footsteps, the question is, why would you repeat things that you saw did not work well uh, in your uh, parental figure? And I think that it might be a great life lesson that when someone is following in someone's footsteps, they don't get to choose which ones are the moments of success and failure. They find themselves in those situations again and again. And copying, you don't really know even whether or not that failure is the reason for the later success. And so in order to ensure the later success, you go through the initial 
failure that you've uh, witnessed as well. Uh, Sabi Gwai uh, has a little bit of a criticism in the sense that Yitzchak did not foresee this uh, eventuality of the people asking about Rivka as uh, Avraham did with Sarai before he to Egypt and it was only handled ad hoc. Uh, he doesn't think that Yitzchak pulls it off and then he gets caught. Uh, but I think it's a little bit too harsh because later we'll see Vahiki Archul of Sham Hayamim that really they've managed to stay there for quite some time before they're found out, uh, kids or not. I mean, obviously, with the kids is even a greater accomplishment. Uh, I also don't think that uh, Nachum Sarna in Understanding Genesis uh, has it right. He wrote down there that there's a uh, likeness to the ancient Hurrian legal practice as uh, set out in the Nuzi documents where there is such a thing as a sister status. Uh, that's completely legal status, nothing to do with blood relations, and therefore uh, somehow here there's a justification for Yitzchak being able to call her his sister. He gave her those types of rights, but uh, I don't think that that really works well with this story. Even uh, Sana himself brings that up, that it doesn't work totally throughout. Uh, he cites that the story is here to give critical judgment on Canaanite moral standards. I don't think that that's the case. If anything, it's probably reversed. It's perhaps a critical judgment on Yitzchak's moral standards. And if indeed the children are already born and alive, living in Gerar together with their uh, parents, they too need to participate in this ruse, and it might very well be uh, the prelude or the backdrop to the story of Yaakov selling the Yazid to Esav, uh, and the later switch of the Brachot, that Yaakov has internalized this idea that uh, pulling these types of tricks or, uh, are something that's acceptable, is something that can be condoned, especially by his parents, uh, which is a very powerful message for setting an example for parents. And may also explain why Yitzchak doesn't lambaste uh, Yaakov afterwards, realizing that he is as much to blame for the situation as Yaakov. Moving on to Pasuk Chet, Vayhi ki archu lo sham hayamim, and it was after he spent many days there, Avimelech, the king of Pelishtim, looked out the window and he saw Yitzchak Metzachek playing with his wife Rivka. The Mefarshim are split in regards to what exactly this uh, Metzachek is referring to. Uh, some, like the Rashbam and Rashi, imply that it indeed was a full sexual act that was viewed by Avimelech from his window. Shadal and Chizkuni, on the other hand, refer to this as a foreplay. Uh, in either situation, it was something that was clear to Avimelech that it was a sexual in nature, that wasn't appropriate for a brother and sister relationship. Uh, in addition, we have the idea of uh, someone looking out a window. Uh, we have other situations in Tanakh of uh, people looking out windows that have with it uh, sexual connotations, it plays in well here as well. Now we see that by M. Sisra, uh, looking out the window waiting for Sisra to come back, and she mentions there, Racham, Racham, Atayim, Rosh Ish. We also see it later by Izevel, where the language of Zenuneh, Izevel Imecha, is in the backdrop, and she gets dressed up and looking out the window before Yehu comes to execute her. Uh, so we have the idea of sexual behavior surrounding others looking out a window, uh, so that plays in uh, here as well. Interestingly, they bring proof texts from the situation with Yosef and Eshet Potiphar, uh, but we don't have time for all that. 
The uh, other thing that we should point out is why is it that because a lot of time has passed that suddenly Yitzchak is uh, playing around with Rivka by the window. Uh, Rashi says that it's been a long time and she hasn't been raped. Rashi says it's been a long time and she didn't get kidnapped. Uh, in either situation, Yitzchak figured that now, even if they find out that it is his wife, it won't matter because uh, he sees that no one has been trying or attempting uh, to do the things that he felt were dangerous. As a result, we get Pasuk Tet, so Abimelech calls Yitzchak and says, But here, she is really your wife. How could you have said that she was your sister? And Yitzchak says, Because I said to myself, I thought, I might die because of her. And Abimelech says, What did you do? Almost one person from amongst the people uh, would have slept with your wife, and you would have brought upon us a great uh, guilt. And Abimelech commanded all of his nation, saying, Anyone who touches uh, in harm, anyone who harms this man and his wife, will certainly die. The uh, reaction of Abimelech reminds us of the reactions that we saw in the episodes that involved Abraham and Sarah. Uh, one of the questions that comes up is in regards to the end of this three psukim that we just read, whether or not the command that Avimelech gave was necessary or just a formality. Uh, the Radak says that this type of a command was absolutely necessary because indeed, as Yitzchak had feared, uh, should they find out really it was his wife, Rivka, they would have killed Yitzchak in order to get him. Uh, the Shadal brings down that it was, it was a necessary command, but really only to protect Rivka uh, from p perhaps possible rape. Uh, not necessarily to protect Yitzchak, even though it's, Yitzchak is specifically mentioned as Ha'ish uh, Hazeh in the command of the safety, but the uh, Torah only wants to use Lashon Nekiyah, and they didn't want to mention Hanogeya Be'isha Hazot, so uh, Avimelech used the Hanogeya Be'isha Hazeh Ub Ishto, adding her almost as the adjunct, while she's really the main protagonist of that uh, command. And the Shadal has an opinion uh, where he says that really the people were not going to kill Yitzchak because of Rivka, but now that they see that Yitzchak was trying to trick them all these years, or however long they were there, uh, now we're going to kill him because he was teasing with us. Uh, a lot of this episode has uh, a lot of the Mefrashim expanding the view as to how the Goyim uh, non-Jews react to us and how much paranoia is justified or not justified about Jews being killed uh, and being out to get us. Uh, it seems to be a very live issue for the Mefrashim. There are different opinions that progress throughout the narrative as well. Uh, it's worth looking at for anybody who's interested in that. Uh, if it's the same Abimelech that was at the time of Abraham, we can see why he was so sensitive because he remembers the almost death sentence that he received from God when he was dealing with Abraham. Uh, but in any case, after these, uh, after getting this protection order from the king himself, Yitzchak now has carte blanche to begin to strike down roots, and as before, he may not have been willing to invest in buying fields and planting anything, because he might have got kicked out the next day. Uh, now he's ready to buy land, and he feels that he is protected, and no one's going to be able to kick him out. And Yitzchak planted in that land uh, in that year, and he found a hundredfold 
Vayvarechehu Hashem, and God blessed him. Uh, the idea of God blessing him is at the end of the Pasuk, it seems to be that Yitzchak's success in the planting is perhaps more a natural phenomenon. If indeed the famine had gone on until this point, uh, perhaps fields were still cheap, seed was still cheap, and Yitzchak took advantage in order to uh, conquer some of the market, and he was able to get the pro, uh, produce uh, ahead of the market. Uh, other ideas of what Me'ash Sha'arim means. Sha'arim could perhaps mean what did he estimate, what did he expect to get, and he got a hundred times of that, uh, which would imply uh, a quantitative multiplication of the f- field uh, produce, or it could have been as a shar, as the price that's set for the food, in which case he received a hundred times what the food was worth, meaning that there was still a famine and Yitzchak was taking advantage, perhaps even price gouging in order to make the most of what it is that he had. Again, if this is something that Yaakov is witnessing, perhaps the idea of using uh, natural means of uh, and taking advantage of market conditions is something that Yaakov uh, adopts into his uh, philosophy as he goes through life, something that he may have uh, watched growing up from Yitzchak. And indeed, Yitzchak becomes very prosperous. Vayigdal ha'ish, vayelech haloch vegadel ad ki gadal me'od. And the man became ever greater until he was very great and he had possessions of flocks and of herds and many slaves and the Philistines envied him. Uh, the word for uh, many slaves is avudah. Some Mephashim relate the word avudah to uh, possessions of real estate from uh, that the language of Oved goes with land. In either situation, Yitzchak indeed becomes very wealthy, and uh, as a result, it seems to be causally related. Uh, the Pasuk relates that the Pelishtim were jealous of him. Again, Mefarshim are going to find historical significance to their own time periods based on this type of phenomenon. But the uh, Pelishtim having jealousy uh, for Yitzchak and his possessions uh, perhaps leads to what we're going to read in Pesukim Tedvav onwards. But perhaps before we move on uh, to the next session, it's important to note that this is the point in the narrative where we might be able to already see that Yitzchak has become his own man. He began as someone copying Avraham, but once he's already uh, planting, it's something that we did not see Avraham do in the past. He was strictly a herdsman. We see this success on the heels of Yitzchak's being rebuked by Avimelech, for the ruse in presenting Rivka as his sister, uh, coming to terms or facing up to the uh, consequences uh, of the ruse is something that we have Abraham also experiencing and will be something that Yaakov will be lacking his uh, experience. It might also be part of the necessary failures that allow for the success that follow. And in here, in this situation by Yitzchak, we see that that was the case by obtaining the uh, protection order from the king that allowed Yitzchak to feel the security to strike down roots and begin uh, planting. In the following sections we'll see how the Pelishtim react to his success and what the aftermath is with uh, Yitzchak's sojourns uh, outside of Gerar uh, leading up to the marriage of Esav at the end of the parish.